The following podcast is a production of the Austin Radio Network. This is the only sports podcast in America that can throw a tight spiral, guard the perimeter, and always has its head on a swivel. Welcome to the Full Sports Monty with your host, Monty Williams. All right, today we're going to talk baseball and we're going to talk technology with our regular contributor, Chris Coleman. Hi, Chris. Hey, Monty. Good to be back. All right. Uh, Last year, 2017, there was an average of 176 pitches thrown in every baseball game. 30 teams times 162 games. That's uh, totals may not add up due to rounding, but 855,000 pitches in Major League Baseball last year in the regular season. There have been two different studies trying to approximate how accurate umpires were with their balls and strikes. And one study came up with 90%, the other study 95%. So that means anywhere from 84,000 to 42,000 pitches were miscalled. Which brings us to our topic for today, which is... Should balls and strikes be automated? I know you have not only some strong feelings about it, but uh, Chris is our go-to person for the wedding of technology and sports. So let me just start. Do you uh, think this is a a solution in search of a problem? It's not a technology issue. It, it can be done, and it can only be done better over time. So it's already proven to be better more accurate than human people calling balls and strikes. It depends on who you are. If you're an umpire, there's issues. If you're uh, a fan, there's issues. And if you're a player, there's issues. And those, even if you're a player, that breaks down into batter versus pitcher versus uh, the rest of the team. So to me, it's a, if I'm from a fan standpoint, it's a no-brainer. Um, like I was watching a broadcast the other day, and on TV they already give me the box that shows if something's a ball or a strike. And so I'm watching two batters, and in the course of two batters, there's five pitches that are called incorrectly based on what's presented on TV, and the announcers are you know pretty much rolling their eyes saying this guy missed that pitch. So if I'm an umpire, uh, you really are kind of cutting my legs out from under me in terms of accuracy and ability to do my job, I, you know, from a fan standpoint, I think the game goes faster. And that's the big problem with baseball from a product standpoint. It's just too slow. They talk about also um, having a clock, a a pitcher's clock, where you have to throw a pitch in a certain uh, minimum amount of time. Now, we are talking about Major League Baseball because this has already been tried out in Minor League Baseball in the uh, California League, not the not the big California League, but a small league in California, uh, I believe in 2015. There are two different ways to go about this. One is radar and the other is cameras. Mm-hmm. I believe they used camera technology in 2015. They had an umpire behind the plate, but there was a display behind the umpire and there was a red light for a strike and a green light for a ball, and the stadium announcer would make the call, which seems to me to be eerie. Yeah. I mean, that would be an eerie experience. Mm-hmm. But this has already kind of been tried. Yeah, and well, let's look at other sports. So tennis, Wimbledon's on right now as we're doing this. Uh, tennis for a number of years has incorporated let's go to the replay that's much more accurate than the human eye, 
and the line judges are, are overruled all the time. And it, I don't think there's any negative in terms of the uh, the playing experience or the uh, the watching experience. Now, I wouldn't want to be a linesman, but um, you know, I think that might be a model here. I think in pro football, you know, they've had replay for years. Um, it's all about getting it right as opposed to you know, having the umpire's role be maybe bigger than it needs to be. Well, and when you talk about something like measuring whether basically something, mm-hmm. a projectile touches a line, like a, like a tennis match, mm-hmm. and uh, looking at, at a replay of whether a ball is in or out, it's not like looking at a replay, and of course football, I think wisely, has chosen not to review any sort of judgment call. But you could make the case that holding is missed every time. It exists on every play. Pass interference is an extremely difficult call to make. But when a ball either touches or doesn't touch a line, mm-hmm. that seems to be a pretty straightforward a straightforward uh, approach to using technology. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a batter, you know, I want this. So I've got a predictable strike zone. Uh, there's less, you know, it's hard enough to hit. Uh, and then you start to introduce uh, the whole uh, variability of how's the ump going to call this game? And every ump's different. Um, now that gives a little bit more advantage to the batter. Uh, if I'm a pitcher, I don't know that I'm so pleased about it. But then again, they've got the same issues of, hey, ump A is going to call a ball and strike zone differently than ump B. And that, and that call could change throughout the course of the game. So if you value consistency, um, you would prefer a technology making this call as opposed to a fallible human. Well, and I know uh, one of the things scouts look at are umpires. If Mm -hmm. a person has a tendency to call low strikes, another person has a tendency to give inside pitches to the pitcher. But what drives everyone nuts is an inconsistent ump who will call a a ball a strike one time and then two at-bats later, that same ball is a ball. And that just drives people crazy. I'll tell you another, you you talk about players and pitchers versus uh, batters, the catcher. It is a true art to what they call frame a pitch Mm -hmm. so that you move your glove as you're catching it so that you're just trying to imply to the ump that this is where the ball arrived, Mm -hmm. not an inch over this way. And, you know, in a strike zone, an inch is a is a uh, huge thing. I will point out, too, that there is no more unionized sport than baseball. The baseball players' union is by far the most powerful union mm-hmm. of the of the three major sports. Uh, the umpires' union itself is very, is very powerful. And as you can imagine, a union being in existence to protect the membership and protect their jobs and their wages and their security, they hate this idea. Yeah. Well, the quote from Caddyshack. <laughs> I hoped you would. <laughs> the world needs ditch diggers, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I know there's a purist argument on this. So what's, give me the purist argument on why you would never, ever consider doing well, that. Well, I mean, the fabric of baseball is, is intertwined with umpires. I mean, an umpire is certainly the most iconic official in sports. Yeah. The home plate umpire is the iconic uh, uh, figure in, in all of sports. And so to remove that, although I don't think you, you would remove the physical umpire and just mm-hmm. have a camera, 
behind. I can see a, you know, if if I'm a batter and I hate the call, I turn around and smash the camera. I'm not going to jail for that. I might go for destruction of property, but it's not. It's no longer assault, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, but I think that that baseball. Being so steeped in tradition and being the sport that is most resistant to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when they lowered the pitcher's mound because Bob Gibson and Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax were eating up the league. So they lowered the pitcher's mound a little bit, and that came with great angst. Yep. And, and so designated I, hitter. Yeah. The designated hitter is a, is a great example of one league still being very, very resistant to it and not having it. But I think that the umpire is so iconic that to remove the umpire from the mix it would that that's the purest argument you yep. cannot take the umpire out of the game because the umpire is one of the crucial touchstones of the game and it has been for 115 years so the human element which with that comes variability right uh, every umpire is going to be a little bit different humans are fallible that's a an essential element of baseball that is worth protecting. You know, there are people out there, though, and you, you, you've known this. I mean, yeah. you've worked for startups. You uh, were part of uh, Prodigy, which was the original Internet provider, and you have had your finger on the pulse of the industry for, for decades. There are companies right now working up pitches for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're working on technology. They're working up a pitch. I've read where certain companies are looking not only at a combination of camera angles and radar, but also body scans of every major league player who's going to come to bat so I know what that strike zone is. Mm-hmm. If I'm 6'4", my strike zone is different than if I'm Altuve with the yeah. Astros and I'm a 5'7 guy or 5'6 yep. guy. Yep. It's going to be different. And so every player in the majors will have – his own stats, and that'll be loaded into the algorithm so that when he's at bat, that will all play a part of what the strike zone actually is if you define the strike zone as, you know, armpits to the top yep. of the knees. Yep. And and I uh, also have heard they want to put sensors in uniforms, which I they think— already, They already do it in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. But but once again, I yeah. mean, when, once you're talking about the— the, the players' union in Major League Baseball, yeah. they're not going to go for that. I mean, they, they will not allow censors in uniforms. I'll just bet you their initial reaction is not to do that. Why? I don't think they like change any more than the umpires' union. No. I think they like change when it comes to, you know, the power of collecting bargaining and free agency and things like that. There's a great book out there called Lords of the Realm by John Hellyer, the same guy who wrote Barbarians at the Gate, which was turned into a— one of the first really, really good made-for-TV HBO movies with James Garner. uh, John Hellyer wrote a book called Lords of the Realm, and it's about the rise of the baseball union Mm -hmm. and and how in the midst of all these incredibly powerful, egotistical, iconoclastic owners— you know, you had the you had the singing cowboy Gene Autry. You had Marge Schott. You had Wrigley, the chewing gum magnate. You had George Steinbrenner. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Ray Kroc, who created McDonald's. All these Charlie Finley, Charlie Finley, yeah. who used to bring a mule into the lunchroom uh, to have lunch with the with the working press. He'd bring a mule <laughs> in there to eat from the <laughs> eat from the smorgasbord. Charlie Finley, we have him to thank for MC Hammer. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Where did that have? How, how, he he kind of took him under his wing as a young kid. Charlie Finley? Charlie Finley. Wow. You had Bill Veck. Yeah. Bill Veck, who was, uh, we, we talked a little bit about uh, about uh, Disco Demolition, which we'll talk yeah. about a little more uh, in this podcast. You had uh, Ted Turner. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, kind of started the idea of the Superstation along with uh, WGN in yep. Chicago. That's mm-hmm. why there are so many national Cubs and Braves fans. I remember Ted Turner had something called Headlock and Wedlock Night, where they where they did mass marriages in between a doubleheader, and then they had wrestling. So it was Headlock and Wedlock Night. Anyway, it was about Marvin Miller, yeah. who they hired to be the head of the baseball union, and it was the rise of free agency. You know, it was also the time when pro athletes were divorced finally, from being the common man. You know, back in the old days, they didn't make enough money to take the off-season off. Right. They had, I think Jackie Robinson sold toasters, and Yogi Berra worked in a men's store. Yeah. You know, they they really didn't make the kind of money. Uh, Was it Messerschmitt? Uh, Andy Messerschmitt was the first million-dollar player? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether that's right. But... Anyway, it's about the rise of the power of the baseball union. And over time, the baseball union has had much more influence over their ownership than either the football players or the basketball players have over theirs. That's why I say I think they would be reticent to jump into this kind of thing. One, there's a risk of player protection. I mean, you know, uh, censors may... You know, just does a cell phone give me brain cancer? I have to look out for every, you know, once again, just like we all want to protect our jobs. That's what the union's there for. That's what union reps are there for. That's what union employees are there for is to protect my membership. And so I got to create or identify threats to my membership. So I get I get that argument for the umpires. I'd be really interested to know a survey of baseball players, how they feel about it. I would too. I yeah, mean, I'd no, I wouldn't really be interested. In a game that um, baseball as a, as a sport has been leading edge in terms of using data. Uh, we've talked before about BAM Tech that came out of uh, Major League Baseball, which was, you know, cutting edge in terms of, of not only capturing data, but streaming, live streaming of sports. And uh, you've got a problem with youth. Uh, uh, connecting with baseball because it doesn't match the culture. It's too slow. Um, and they've used data to try to hook them in. A natural extension of that for me is you automate balls and strikes. Uh, and then I think eventually with sensors and things like that, you could even automate tagging, all that sort of stuff. I could, I could see a future where you don't need an umpire on the field. Well, I don't want to live in that. <laughs> I don't want to live in that dystopian future. <laughs> <That> dystopian <laughs> drones over every base. No, I no. It, it is obviously the things that are occurring today. We we would have never have thought possible. Yeah. And uh, for instance, I, I was surprised how quickly uh, Wimbledon yeah adopted the 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 idea of automated line calls and, and appeals. Now I will say that the linemen's <laughs> union probably doesn't exist. I yes. think they're all like, you know, they seem like middle school students to me. <laughs> but uh, but no, no, it's it's amazing what we've already seen in terms of technology that's been adopted. Baseball obviously did not want to go to an appeal to replay, but they did somewhat kicking and screaming. But they seem to have gotten it right. Yeah. 
I'm not sure that football has always gotten it right. I agree. In I how agree. they did it. Uh, you know, witness the uh, the Des Bryant catch, non-catch. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was kind of a low moment for instant yeah. replay. But I look at baseball, and they've solved some of their problems with technology, and effectively. And you would think that they would give this really strong consideration. Uh, to me, though, who do you think gives more advantage to, the pitcher or the batter? Oh, I think you made the, the, the case that yeah. the, I think the batter gets the benefit of the doubt yeah. on that one. You know, I mean, obviously, I think both sometimes can fall into this internal narrative that this guy has it out for me. Yeah. You know, this guy is screwing me and not the batter. This yeah. guy's screwing me and not the pitcher. Yeah. That goes away. So, uh, but I do think ultimately a consistent strike zone probably helps the batter more than the pitcher. See, because I'd want to look of the, I mean, you opened the, the podcast with a stat about how many pitches and how many are missed. I'd love to know the breakdown that were, is the, is the more frequent miss uh, strikes that are called as balls or balls that are called as strikes. I think it's, there's a lot of strikes that aren't called. And to me, that, that would benefit the pitcher. Yeah. And so, um, just I, from just from the eyeball test, yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. Yeah. There there are many more strikes that are called balls. Yeah. See, I think you could you could ease this in in a real non threatening way by using it first where you're tracking it, but the information's only going to the umpire. So it's almost like a teaching thing. So the umpire's getting feedback on how good they're doing. Like Pavlovian feedback, like possibly a little shock. A little shock would be good. Like Dr. Venkman is pushing a button. (laughs) That's good. That's good. I like that. But, um, you know, that to me is how it starts, you know. So then you you take the the human umpire and you're giving them feedback through technology that helps them do a better job. That might get, that might be 80% of the improvement get that we're looking for just with that right there. I read in a comment thread and this comes really out of left field, but the Supreme Court's recent decision to open up gambling state by state, mm-hmm. that what an electronic ball and strike mechanism would allow you to do in real time on a mobile device is bet on the next pitch, mm. whether it's a ball or a strike. Now, somebody would say, well, that's just like betting on a coin flip. But no, it's not. Mm. No, it's not. Because I think the odds of a strike, if it, if the count's 3-0, and oh, I mean, you know, the batter is told, take that pitch, and the pitcher is told, throw a strike. If it's 0-2, you're not going to groove one. You're going to try and get the batter to chase one. Mm -hmm. So it does become this kind of real-time betting, and the thread that I read, the comment said that this would allow you in real time to bet on the next pitch, but it would be like a slot machine because you take the human being out of it so you wouldn't have a – what, what what was his name? Do, Doheny, Doheny, or whatever. Who the who the you know NFL? I mean the NBA ref who, ah, who was caught. Yeah. Uh, you know, working with the gamblers and, and throwing games. But you wouldn't have a black sox. You issue. would not have a black sox issue yeah. if it was a completely automated ball and strike, and that would allow you to in real time in all fifty states on your mobile device bet on the next pitch. Of course, you're not considering the 
Russian cybersecurity risk of something like that. Well, I would hate for the Russians to ruin our World Series. <laughs> another um, institution they're taking down. <laughs> another another cherished institution. Cherished institution the Russians <laughs> have messed with. No, but I mean, you know, the security is a real issue, totally. I would assume. If you, you, you obviously, the idea of hacking may be a bit. A, a bit of a stretch. Calibration. But calibration, yeah. yeah. The underinflated football yeah. is an example, I guess. Yeah. The allegedly underinflated football. Yeah. But calibration might be an issue. And then, you you know, I mean, does is it affected by weather? You 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 know, there are rain delays, but you also play in the rain sometimes. Mm-hmm. Would, would, would temperature be affected? Would uh, Can I manipulate my body in a way that I can kind of mess with the... You know, the calibration. Do I have to sign off as a batter on the calibration? See all these interesting news stories and we haven't even rolled it out yet? (laughs) Well, I mean. What an interesting sport. I think I'll watch again. Well, okay, let's say you have a startup and let's call it uh, uh, Real Cornea Sports. Um, Let me see if that URL is available. <laughs> but you are going to approach Major League Baseball, yep. and you're going to say, here's how you do it. What are the kind of things you put together in a pitch? To pitch them? Well, you, first you've got to demonstrate that the technology is bulletproof. And you've got to do a proof of concept that shows that they can stand in front of umpires, broadcasters, players, and, and without any shadow of a doubt say this is a – Step function better in terms of accuracy. Um, now let's wrestle through the issues with how it affects the game. Yeah. And the political issues. I, I think I, yeah. you and I talked a little bit before the podcast. One thing I would do, it's what uh, the uh, uh, MLS group that's moving from Ohio to Austin or appears to be on track to do so, they have pledged to give millions of dollars to affordable housing because the the property that they're going to use is owned by the city of Austin. Obviously, part of your component mm-hmm. would be this whole political pitch, which is I'm going to donate millions of dollars to the umpire pension fund or the umpire early retirement. <laughs> See, I think you overestimate the um, equity, the goodwill equity around umpires. You know, I, I think I, I, there's purists in the sport. Uh, that are going to really, you know, pine for the good old days when you could yell at the large overweight umpire. But I don't know. I just, I just don't think they'll be missed that much. I don't know that they add much value to the game other than bad experiences. If they were to bring this in, well, as I say, there's already been, and the commissioner of baseball has already been kind of I'd say a little, little warmer than lukewarm, but yeah. obviously not. He's not. Aperture's open. Aperture's open. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a chance mm-hmm. that they might use some form of this in a you know in preseason games or something mm-hmm. like that. And they already have in in minor league baseball. But what other kinds of considerations are there? Do you do do I try out two systems and then pick a winner? Do I, you know, do I have to have a season of testing? Oh yeah, and yeah. then. You know, but I can't have it affect the regular season. I can't do that. Yeah, no, no, no. There's got to be a, a whole lot of testing, a whole lot of redundant systems to make sure. I mean, and this is where Japanese baseball comes exactly, in. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, to me, it's no different than how the defense department would look at something that they would do. I mean, this is one of these things where you have so many redundant systems. So there's there's you know, six sigma quality in terms of you know this thing can't malfunction. 
Or if it does, you got the fallback of human umps. Yeah, I'm, you can I, take them out of the first row, bring them back out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could put down their concession stand things they're selling. That's and right. They That's can right. Get back on the field. Wait a minute, have you been drinking beer? I'm sorry, <laughs> you're you're not in this game. Well, I, it's it's a it's an interesting concept, and you, you made the point uh, on a on a previous podcast, and again today, baseball seems to be very comfortable with technology, mm-hmm. and and. As you continue to try and being a purist, being a sport that appeals to a purist is not a long range strategy. I mean, that that won't continue yeah. to look, last. Look at golf. Look at golf is a great point. I mean, if if Tiger hadn't winning, <laughs> it's right back to where it kind of was mm-hmm. before there was a Tiger. And and all the augmented reality and ball flight and things like that can't help if there's not that, you know, if there's not something that is appealing in a dramatic way. Yeah. Baseball. Can I not then turn around and say, and the umpire's part of that drama? I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the umpire, yeah, there's their drama with an umpire when you're playing the game? Absolutely. I don't know if that drama translates to the viewing, unless it's a blown call. It's a negative thing to it. Um, the other thing we haven't talked about that I think might be impacted on this, if there's no umps on the field, I think you have more fights in baseball. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. I, I, I don't think there's any any doubt that there would the the umps are a a symbolic gesture of order, or yeah. a symbolic representation of order. If I have a camera on a stick <laughs> yeah. or a drone hovering over the base, that yeah. doesn't that doesn't. Yeah, help. I mean brushback pitches, things like that, hard slides into second. There's there's no buffer out there. Well, and that's a great that's a great point. Mm-hmm. I if I if I remove the ump from behind the catcher, and there's a brushback pitch, what is that? Just a ball? Yeah. If I throw behind the batter's head, is that just a ball, mm-hmm. or does the camera toss the pitcher? Interesting. Well, I, I think I. It's going to be interesting. The next two years, the, a couple of the articles I read said they are going to continue this in the minor leagues. They're, they're going to continue to tweak it. They're going to continue to look at it, experiment with it. Baseball is guardedly moving towards some enhanced form of automation with balls and strikes. There's no way they're going to remove the, the home plate up. There's yeah. not. You know, yeah. I just I don't see that. And probably what you talked about is there will be an earpiece and a beep. Yeah, and and it will be nothing more than that. And I still give could be that for ten years. It could be that for ten years. Yeah. And and you know, do you start off by giving the ump uh, veto power of the beep? Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, and, and say we're not. It's a data point for him to make yeah, his call. It's a data point yeah. to make the call. You still can override it. It's just like autonomous cars. Yeah. From what I've read about autonomous cars, which are coming, but they're still you're going to be able to like push a button. You and first. Go, oh no, I'm driving. <laughs> you first. <laughs> yeah. I get to drive if I want now, to. Now, if I was an ump, an ump union, I would not be comfortable with the broadcast showing if a, of a uh, if a, if a ball is a strike. Or a ball. Oh, based I don't on think that. they are. I think that they've. they've I mean, talked I'd about have that. a huge issue with that because they come off looking like they're not doing their job well. Yeah. No. And I, I, I've read interviews with umps that they, they don't like the networks doing that. Yeah. It, it, it appears to be just one big national second guess. Yeah. But the networks do it because it builds interest, and that's what it ends up being all about. Yeah. No. And I, I love, I love the, 
the augmentation of baseball, particularly. Sets up well for it. It really yeah. it's 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 so it's so much better when I get the the, the strike zone. Mm-hmm. It's so much better with um, with the you know now you're seeing some uh, augmented reality of launch angle. They're showing the yeah. the bat in certain uh, in well, certain the all star game would be perfect for this. Yeah. What if you know we. What a great way to demo stuff for baseball's future. The yeah, All- as we as we're recording this, yeah. the All Star games, you know, it's happening. So yeah. this we're we're uh, real close to the All Star break, and so yeah, I think that'd be great. I love that idea. I mean, it's a way better than saying whoever wins the All Star game gets home field advantage in the World Series. That yeah. was bogus as could be. Yeah. All right. Um, right before we started the podcast. You told me something that was very old school, but remains as one of the one of the great baseball memories of, uh, and that was an All Star game. Yeah, it? let's swap some baseball memories. So, yeah. a little backstory: My parents grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, home of the Reds, and it is you know you from similar. Oh. It's that's gospel. They there were they the were Reds. the spear in St. Yeah. Louis <laughs> Cardinals side exactly. Uh, and so we ended up moving to Cincinnati when I was young. My dad took me to the 71 All-Star game in newly finished Riverfront Stadium. It's now antiquated, and I think they're going to tear it down. Um, and so this is the All-Star game, the iconic play as it goes into extra innings, uh, where Pete Rose, Charlie Hustles on second base, Glenn Becker to the Cubs, the guy who used to choke up on it, hits a single to center, Throw comes in, Rose is gunning for the plate, dramatically runs over young, upcoming uh, catcher Ray Fossey, barrels him over, ends up effectively kind of ending his career because it hurts his shoulder so bad. Uh, it's one of the iconic things. In the All-Star game. In the All-Star game. he was widely criticized. Yeah, widely for, criticized for going, you know. To run into run him into like him. that. Because he didn't slide. Yeah. So he the, took him out. Yeah, so the best part of the story is, and you had to know my dad on this. My dad loved to beat the traffic. And uh, he thought, hey, this thing could go on forever. Let's beat the traffic. So we're just getting to our car out in the parking lot, and this roar comes up from the stadium like nothing I've ever heard. And, of course, we, we missed the greatest all-star baseball moment ever. Uh, I remember watching it. I remember watching it on a hot July night at my neighbor's house and just couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe what a collision to this day, one of the most violent collisions at the plate up there with Buster Posey's mm-hmm. yeah, collision. Well, I, I mean, I, I've been to a lot of great games. Like I say, I grew up around St. Louis, and uh, we used to go watch, routinely watch, Bob Gibson mm-hmm. uh, against either Sandy Koufax or Don Drysdale. The game had last about an hour and 40 <laughs> minutes. Somebody hit a solo home run and be over, one to nothing. Yeah. You know, each, each pitcher would have like 10 to 12, 13 strikeouts or something like that. But, as you know, I'm a screenwriter and part of a writing team, and the guy with whom I write screenplays, his name is Fred Ellis, he was at Disco Demolition Night in, at, in, uh, at Comiskey Park yeah. uh, when Steve Dahl, the DJ in Chicago. Kind of Howard yeah. Stern before there was Howard yeah, Stern. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that was right at the height where, you know, the, the nation, much as we are broken into two political parties and two, you know, the House doesn't think Russia interfered and the, and the Senate does and, you know, that. Well, the nation was split over disco back Very. then. Very split. I know where I came down and I bet I know where you came down <laughs> too. I didn't much care for that there disco. But um, so what they did was they, the radio station convinced Bill Vec, 
the owner of the White Sox that they would have uh, one of their uh, double headers. They would bring out a giant. Everybody brings a 45. disco album, yeah. and you and they put it at second base. And they were going to blow it up in between games. And it was, I guess, it turned out to be like, you know. It was a riot. It was, it would turn into a full-blown riot. Yeah. And Fred said, you could, he said it was fun for about 20 minutes. And then people started to sail records like Frisbees Ooh. through the crowd. And you would have to kind of duck. They wheeled the batting cage. The fans poured into the stand, uh, out of the stands onto the field, set fires, pulled the batting cage around like a Ben-Hur chariot kind of thing. <laughs> it was just complete bedlam. And he, you know, and they called off the second game. Yeah. Got to love the South Side. Yeah. And I knew a guy <laughs> who was at uh, Cleveland, 10-cent beer night, too. Mm. Yeah, so I don't. I'm my story. There's are, a theme with your. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I hang around. I'm iconic riot. moments. Yeah. You're like near riot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're all secondhand, so they can't be verified at all. Chris, thank you for talking about this. Uh, this I don't know whether you call it an issue or things. It's a pressing to come. issue. It's a pressing issue. Yeah. It's it's the shape of things to come. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate it. We're going to get you back uh, as soon as we have another technology issue. I do want to tease one thing we're going to talk to you about in the near future, which is you are one of the first people to play fantasy football in our nation's proud fantasy football history. So I'm going to get you on closer to football season. We're going to talk about that. Thanks, Chris. You bet. And thanks, everyone, for listening to The Full Sports Monty. You've been listening to The Full Sports Monty with your host, Monty Williams. The Full Sports Monty is a production of the Austin Radio Network.